Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later. If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move. Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go. I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNertney at Green Ocean Global, we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend. Right, he can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes. And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation. I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out. And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John. Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out. All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below. Hello, and welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Kaylee and Josh. Each week they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency. This week on Let's Move to Portugal, we've got JD. JD fell in love with Portugal, bought himself a house, applied for the D7, and got denied. He joins us from Portugal to tell us all about the appeals process. It's unlike any episode we've ever done before. Stick around. Hello, expats. Hey, Dan. It's good to hear from you. How are things going? Hey, Dan. It's going great, thank you. Good to see you guys. What have you two been up to this week? We've had a pretty busy week, um, as always, right? So we've been filming some people that have come into our home to talk about a project that we're working on dealing with the emergency type of occasions or scenarios that people might run into when they move to Portugal. Okay. And we're creating a video, unlike any that we've done before, where we're talking to experts in legal matters and financial matters and then in kind of healthcare matters. And then also interviewing three people with kind of more extreme cases because this is an emergency type of episode. Right. So we're talking to someone who has had back surgery, who arrived here and, and found out they needed back surgery, someone who had a heart attack. Oh, wow. And then another person that was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, it's actually really interesting because you don't think about when you move to a new place that you might, there might be an emergency situation, especially in the healthcare realm. So um, so it's good to know what to do when that happens and then listen to people who have gone through it because I think it helps you be not as scared and a little more prepared for it. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, and then something a little closer to home, I guess, at least in the heart sense, is that uh, my grandmother's 95 
and she's uh, she's been experiencing some health issues. Oh man, I'm sorry. And just recently, um, in the group chat with the family, I got a message yesterday that uh, that she was needed to go to the hospital because high blood pressure, um, and that's off the back of having a, a fall and breaking a bone and um, being in the hospital for a few days with that. Yeah, it's tough. So this is kind of the maybe the more difficult part of being abroad and not being close to family. Um, you know, but 95 and, and, and still going. So that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. She's living an amazing life and actually was a reason I think that Josh became so interested in different cultures and living abroad was because she did that and right. And would send back little gifts and stuff when she was traveling. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I would say certainly when I was younger, she played a pivotal role in my curiosity when it comes to other cultures, because she would, she would travel to these far flung places um, where you'd actually have to get a physical map out of the world to see where she was. It wasn't just like she was traveling to different states in the U.S., but she would go to places like Australia and Turkey and Hungary, and she would either send a gift, like something small, or she would bring something back and give it to me. And I remember as a kid, just like how much that meant to me and what I, I internalized those things as, you know, like it really, really piqued my curiosity to see the world. Right. So I credit a lot of my kind of adventurous streak in the world to to her for sure. Uh, she sounds like a cool lady. Yeah. And the good thing is, is, you know, like Josh was saying, it's tough when you live abroad or live somewhere else and you're not close to family. But we have a trip planned for the end of March, beginning of April, and we're planning on seeing her when we go back to the U.S. So that'll definitely be be good. We saw her and my grandpa as well, who's a bit older. We saw them before we moved and they met Valencia, which was good. And now we'll go back and get to see them again. Yeah. And the funny thing is we're not big on traveling back to the U.S. No hate on the U.S. It's just that whenever we have periods uh, where we can travel, we prefer to travel somewhere else that we haven't been to before. So we usually spend both our time and money on that. But we moved here in October 2020. And we haven't been back since, so we decided it is time. It is time to go back and see family. It's been, well, it'll be two and a half years at that point. And they want to see Valencia. I think, let's be honest, they actually <laughs> want to see Valencia, not so much us. Uh, yes, of course, of course. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Kaylee, this week you sat down with JD, who made his way to Portugal from Alaska, and he's got a heck of a story to tell. Tell us how you two met. Actually, the talking to him was the first time I had spoken with him. We had been emailing back and forth and he had written with a few questions like normal. And I was helping him out and I was shocked to find out that he was denied his visa. Like I had never heard of this before. Oh, okay. So he went through the appeal process and it was a pretty simple process. It was just, you know, more paperwork, you know, how the bureaucracy is here in Portugal or to get to Portugal. Right. So it wasn't that he had done necessarily anything wrong. It's just that I think might have been an issue is he was applying for the D7 right around that shift from the D7 to the D8, whether it was active or passive income. And so he talks about how it's possible that he maybe kind of fell through the cracks with all the processing because he had gone to his in-person appointment in San Francisco which is rough being in Alaska. That's your jurisdiction. Right, right. But he, he went to that in-person appointment and everything seemed fine. Uh, and then it just, you know, time went on and nothing happened. So he's he's got a fascinating story, but he stuck with it. He appealed the process and it was a good outcome. So I'm excited for our listeners to to hear what happened. Yeah, I remember when you first told me about this, when you guys were emailing back and forth and this was his story, I was I was really curious to see what happened. So this episode is is quite cool in the sense that we hadn't heard of this before. 
and then somebody appeals and you, you oftentimes think of appeals kind of going to nowhere, like just running into a cul-de-sac, but there's a good outcome in the end. Now, before we cut away to the break, uh, let's try something new. We've been working on this podcast for a while now. And listener, we would love to hear from you. Yes, definitely. If you want to hear something specific or you have any feedback, then you can send an email to podcasts at expatseverywhere.com. Yes, absolutely. We want to hear from you. And if you have an idea or if you want to give us feedback, we would love to hear that. And we've had a lot of podcast guests on recently. So maybe you have a question that you want answered. And if we get enough of those questions, we will just do a whole podcast and put that over the airwaves. Yeah, it's a good idea, like a Q&A type session. That would be awesome. Yeah, send those emails in. And with that, we'll be right back with JD right after this. Worldpost.io is powered by Anytime Mailbox, which means you can get your mail anytime, anywhere, even on your smartphone. And they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at $5 per month. Here's a cool feature they have. WorldPost can relay things from the U.S. to Europe, so that includes documents, <laughs> Amazon purchases, Amazon from the purchases, US. <laughs> and you can get it to Portugal. And they have a variety of packages. Some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters, and things like that. I bet you love that junk mail filter. Oh, lots of junk mail! I sign up for a lot of newsletters. <laughs> She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below. Okay, let's talk about Lusitana Dreams because what they're offering is really great. Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dreams since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and, and choke point of the proof of accommodation because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the, like the long-term people have had problems with, right? Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen. But here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location, in a livable location, until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live. And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of, of cash essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using. Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate, trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money. Yep, Lusitano Dreams offers visa-friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule, and they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast. Yeah, which is really exciting. So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below. Well, J.D., thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. And you have a pretty crazy story about getting your D7, right? Yeah, yeah. Long, long process. Okay, we're going to jump into that. But first, before we get to the unique details of what happened with you, can you tell us where you moved from and what consulate you went through? I moved from Alaska, so I went through the San Francisco consulate. 
Okay. And how long had you been living in Alaska? Full time, like four years. Are you originally from Alaska? No, I'm originally from Arkansas. Okay. So you were living in Arkansas and then you to Alaska for work or adventure? Yeah, I've been working in Alaska since 2008 and I was splitting my time between Alaska and Nicaragua and then started living full time in Alaska. Okay. And now Portugal. Okay, so obviously Alaska and Portugal are very different. So why Portugal? Yeah, I think the same reasons everybody else. The relaxed environment, nice weather, low cost of living, and a short, relatively simple process for citizenship. Okay, and so you've moved here then full time, but you've just recently moved, right? You haven't been in Portugal for very long. Yeah, just like a week, essentially, a little over a week. Okay, so are you experiencing jet lag still? No. First couple of days were pretty unproductive because of jet lag, but I think I'm on it now. Okay, good. So we'll get into what your first week has been like and if it's what you expected or not. But before we get to that, I want to talk about your D7 process because you do have a very unique situation. So run us through your application process and what happened to you. Yeah, because the San Francisco one, you have to deliver everything in person to the VHS office. So I had to fly down from Alaska and I ended up just making a whole trip of it because why not? Yeah, Um, you're going so far, you might as well, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The people from Alaska and Hawaii that have to fly there, it's kind of rough, but make a trip of it. Yeah, so I had to take it in person. And then it was reassuring, like having the person in the VHF office go check everything and make sure everything was good instead of just mailing it in. So then I, I waited. They said three to six weeks, and it took seven months before I got a reply back from them. And I even emailed them a few times and no response. I don't know why it took so long. I don't know if I fell through the cracks or what, but the initial response back was a rejection. Okay, so we're going to talk about the appeal process. But first, let's get a time frame of things. When was your VFS appointment in San Francisco? It was July 21st. Okay, so July 21st, 2022. 22, yeah. Right, You just made that online like everybody else. You had all your documents ready to go. You go to that appointment. It feels normal. They look at everything, say, you're good. Did they have any feedback with your documents when you were there? No. And I even asked because I had put more money in my Portuguese account that month so it wouldn't be on this statement. And I asked if I needed to show that somehow. And they're like, no, if they need to know, you can just send it later. And they said everything looked fine and everything was good. Okay, so normal appointment. They say it looks good. They say you should hear something in three to six weeks or so. And six weeks goes by. Did you start to hit the panic button? Did you say maybe I should give them a little more time? What did you do? Well, I gave them a little more time because I heard that they were really backed up. And I I did call the phone number for VFS, which wasn't helpful. The exact same information that you put in on the computer to track your... Uh uh, And then I knew after 60 days, they have to make a decision. Or at least that's what the law says. Right. So I emailed them, I emailed the consulate that didn't seem to go anywhere. So I emailed after 60 days, didn't hear anything back. So I was like, well, maybe it's 60 business days, which ended up being quite a lot. It was like a month later. So I emailed again, still nothing. And then eventually it was, I think, early December. And 
They had my passport, so I couldn't do anything. Oh, wow. Okay, so you left your passport with them, which is optional, yeah, right? Yeah, I just think it was just going to be three to six weeks. Right, yeah. And I was like, well, I'll just hang out, spend summer in Alaska. It'll be great. So I emailed them to ask if they could just send my passport so I could come to Portugal to get started renovating the house and everything. And that's when they told me that it was rejected. And then it was still like a week and a half or two weeks after that email when I got the official rejection email. Okay. So this is crazy because in all the people I've ever talked to, I've never heard of anyone being denied their visa. Sometimes you're delayed a little bit just because they need more documentation of something. But it's weird because the time went so long and you had to contact them and then all of a sudden you get rejected. And you will get on this yeah. as well, but you had already bought a house in Portugal, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we will get to that in that process. And I'm sure you were very stressed at this point. So you get I, this email that you reject. What did you think? It was kind of shocking because the stuff I'd heard before is like if they have a question about something or, oh, you need to put more money in the account or whatever. They'll tell you that and then you do it and it's fine. But I never heard anything and then it's just rejection. Yeah. So, okay. So they email you. What was it just very simple? Like you've been rejected and that's that. They didn't give any sort of solution or what did the initial email say? The like official rejection email, it gave the reasons was not enough funds and not a habitable house because that's what it said on the on the contract. And I asked the real estate agent about that, and they said it's just because no one had lived in it for a while. Uh, but they said that that would be fine with Seth. But I guess it, it wasn't. It wasn't, and they didn't even <laughs> inquire about more information. It's kind of crazy because every other case I've seen is like they'll ask you for more information. Right, and same with me. So it's funny because one of the reasons they said you didn't have enough money in your account, which was the very thing that you asked them at the your VFS appointment, if you needed like proof of that. And they're like, oh, no, they yeah. asked for it. So they didn't come back and ask you, you know, do you have more funds? So that's kind of a crazy reason. And then it's interesting that they didn't inquire about more information about your accommodations, right? Because most people come and they rent. Some people will buy places, but you bought a place that needed to go through renovations, right? Yeah. It's and it's not like major renovations. It's like it's totally livable. I mean, it just needs like mostly cosmetic stuff. Okay. So it was a place that you could actually live in. It just not been lived in when you purchased it. So that's why why the contract said that. Yeah. Okay. That's so crazy though, because they should be able to at least ask for more information. So they just send you this official your rejected letter, then what did you do? So with that there's an attachment like a PDF to print out to, if you wanted, they're like, if you want to appeal, print this out and send it to us. Or if not, just let us know and we'll close the case. So I printed out the, it's just like a one page letter that like acknowledges you're appealing. I had to have it signed and notarized. And so with that letter and then any additional documentation I had to send to the consulate they had to receive it within 10 days of me getting the official email. So they don't give you much time. Give yeah, you. <laughs> no. So then you had to, what did you do? Did you um, print off some more bank statements? Because obviously a lot of time it lapsed. So you had plenty of money in your account then. I applied like last summer. The initial the initial visa was like the one year, two year, two year thing. And now it's two year, three year. So I doubled the amount of money in the account. I 
added my pay stubs because before I had the bank statements that showed money going in, but I, this time I actually did the pay stubs and I wrote a more, I forget what it's called, like the introduction letter or the... Okay. So just, yeah, kind of pleading your case and, and more information about you and why you could live off of individual revenue. Yeah. Because before every everything I saw was like, keep it short and sweet. So this time I explained a little more. I explained what all the additional documentation was and i did the letter the bank stuff and something for the house i included pictures of the house to show pictures of inside and outside and that it was a house and not just a ruin did you get any other documentation from like the lawyer or like closing documents on the house or the people who said that this contract will be fine for seth like did you get anything from them saying like it's only listed as you know inhabitable need paperwork no. from them but I explained that in the letter that they said it was listed as that because nobody had lived in there for probably like 15 years. And I made sure to include lots of pictures. Okay, so more bank statements, uh, more of a robust uh, letter introducing yourself and pictures yeah. about the uh, pictures of the house. Okay, so then anything else? That was it, yeah. And then I just mailed okay. that. To the consulate and waited yeah. yeah and waited so then to get an idea so now we're in december of yeah. 2022 when you got the rejection so you get the rejection they say you have 10 days you collected things how long did it take for you to collect things were you able to do it right away yeah maybe just a day or two and then you overnighted it to the consulate in san francisco i just did um the ups okay cheaper than fedex yeah it'd be really expensive from alaska to to get it down to california quickly right yeah so i just did all that and i heard back that i got accepted i think like right around a month later and got my passport back just a few days after that okay so this whole time they had your passport right yeah okay well they sent it back after the rejection okay so then did you send it with all this extra documentation so you it, sent it back to yeah them? okay <laughs> Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. So then you're in December. They give you 10 days. A few days in, you send off the documentation. And then did you get any sort of email or confirmation from them that it was received? Or you could only see from your tracking number that at least someone received it? Yeah, I could only see from the tracking number. So you didn't hear from them. You're just waiting, waiting. And then, of course, Christmas hits and New Year's, the holidays. So you're waiting. Yeah. Uh while you were waiting, what were you thinking? Like, how were you feeling? I actually got, like, really depressed because I kind of, like, went all in in Portugal. But it was just kind of like, I wasn't sure if I would get accepted. So I was, like, trying to come up with other plans of, like, what to do and stuff and just trying not to think about it too much. Okay, so then we get past the holiday season. We're into January 2023. And did all of a sudden your documents, your your passport just arrive? I got an email that said like, and it was, it was just like one sentence. Your case has been accepted. You have 90 days to collect the visa, which is sending them the passport. So I sent the passport and then just a few days after that, I got it back. Okay. So you sent in your documents to appeal, but you held on to your passport. And then when yeah. you heard the, the good news, then you mailed your passport in. Yeah. Okay. I bought the house in May of 2022, so it had been such a long process. Yeah. Okay, so 
we'll move on from that because yay, you got it. That was a really long process, but good job for just being resilient with things and powering through and appealing that, especially because you had a good case, right? I mean, you knew that you had the money in the account. Yeah. You knew that you had a place to live. So I guess my biggest concern was I don't have a consistent salary. So I work contract pretty much. So I'll make a lot of money in a very short amount of time and then go a while without any money. So it can be hard to show that. So that was my biggest concern. Yeah. So that probably added to the confusion. They just didn't mention it when they sent the rejection. Oh, and I also included my resume because I saw a YouTube video of someone that had got rejected and she said she included her resume in the appeal to show that I have a college degree. I have welding certification. I can get a job. And then I did also include my credit card statement to show I have this much and I pay it off every month. And I also included my air miles statement to show that like, even if I run out of money, I still have means to leave Portugal and go back to the US. Okay. Can you explain what you do for work? Currently I'm a marine mammal observer. If there's a construction project at sea, especially ones that make a lot of noise or something, they have people like me that are on board to make sure that the construction doesn't interfere with marine mammals. Um, Very cool job. So I think probably what they're doing a little better nowadays is since they've split the D7 and then they have the remote worker visa, it should hopefully be a little more mainstream that are, you know, whether it's freelance or whether it's not consistent income, because I think they were getting kind of confused with people who are applying for the D7 realm. They uh, wonder like, well, this person doesn't make any money this month, but then they did the month before. So now I think they're able to or at least they're moving in the right direction to minds around um, splitting up the D7, which is more for passive now. But obviously when you got in, you could still apply for the D7. But now people are applying for the remote work. And, you know, know, with instances, I guess you could say, of when stuff goes into the account and it's okay. Yeah, and that's the most plausible explanation I can think of for why mine took so long. Otherwise, like, I have no idea why. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. But okay, so you've appealed. Yeah, you may talk about uh, your house. So did you come to Portugal, like visit Portugal and see the house or you just bought it? I came twice before. I knew I wanted to come. I originally wanted to come in spring of 2020, but COVID. No one was going anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I finally made it in the fall of 2021 and just explored the whole country, found which parts I liked and didn't like. Then I made it back in the spring of 2022 with a list of houses that I'd seen online to check out. I went and looked at this one and really liked it. Okay, so are you in a big city, small city, little town out in the middle of nowhere? It's a little town, but it's only 15 or 20 kilometers outside of Coimbra and right on the train line. So it's just like popping into town real quick. Oh, nice. And do you have a car out there? No, I wanted to not need a car, so... I was just like a 15-minute casual walk to the train station, and it goes every 45 minutes or something. All right, great. So are you currently living in the house, or are you having it renovated first before you live there? I'm currently living in it. All right, and what kinds of renovations do you need to do? Probably the biggest thing is electrical. Like, it's a old house, so there's only two outlets in the entire house. Oh, wow. <laughs> it needs a lot of replastering, and then... Definitely modernize the kitchen. 
because I like to cook. So like structurally, everything's good. The roof is good. Do you have an inspection done before or you're familiar with how to inspect? I didn't. I guess I'm familiar enough to know that nothing major was bad with it. Okay. And are you planning on doing the construction or renovations yourself? Have you found someone to help you? Um, yeah, the plan is to do it myself. I actually had two houses in Nicaragua and I renovated both of those myself. So I have experience. The only thing would be like with the electrical, I'd probably have an actual electrician come to make sure everything is done right. I don't know how to do any of it, but <laughs> I imagine that electrical would be really tricky. Yeah. So you've only been here for a week. So obviously you haven't started on any of this. You're just settling in, right? Yeah. How has your first week been? It's been good. The first couple of days was just like getting over jet lag. And then my priorities were getting the electricity hooked up, the water and phone and internet and all that stuff. So the water, I don't know why it's taking so long. I'm still waiting on that. The electricity, they were there the next day, hooked it up. Same with phone. So that's all been pretty simple and straightforward. But water has been a bit of a holdup. Yeah. And I don't know why that's taking so long. Yeah. So then do you have a hotel or something you can go to since the water's not working? Yeah. I've been spending okay. some time at hostels. Like I don't know how it's been in Porto, but it's been so cold in Coimbra area. Yeah, it's a little cold here right now. It was warm. It was so nice. It was warm and sunny. And then all of a sudden, like we've got this cold spell. Thankfully, it's still sunny, but it has cooled down a little bit. Yeah. The house, even with the heater running, it's been very cold at night. So... I came down to Peniche for a break yeah. from the cold for some warm weather. And there's a train strike right now. So that kind of hampers getting into town. Yeah. So it's mainly good timing to go somewhere relax. Yeah. So I figured I'd take advantage of that to just enjoy a slightly warmer weather. Yeah. So are you happy with your move after all the stress and the being rejected and appeal? Are you happy that you're here? Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. If I knew it was going to take so long, I would have started on it earlier and then probably just went overboard with the initial application of just more than enough information, if that makes sense. Yeah, better to just do more than what you think they need rather than having yeah. a little less yeah. as you could be in this situation. I'd say one mistake I made was not looking at the open appointments with VFS beforehand. I was like, I'll get all my documentation ready a month out. Yeah. I should have made the appointment first and then got all the documentation. That's good advice. Do you have any other advice for anyone who's is thinking about buying a fixer up or a place that needs light renovations? I would say know what you're getting into. If you don't have any renovation experience, know what you can and can't do. And if you need to hire somebody, budget that into the process. I went through a real estate company and they were super helpful with the process. Well, at Expats Everywhere, we believe that living abroad transforms lives. How has living abroad, Nicaragua, Portugal, wherever else you might have been, how has that transformed your life? It's definitely opened my eyes to what other people experience in the world and how cush everything is in the U.S. Everything we take for granted in the U.S., how big a deal it is in other places, especially like Nicaragua, where it's so poor and basic infrastructure and everything. And then it's the opposite here. I bought the slowest internet plan, and it's double what most places in the U.S. are. My internet in Alaska is 1.5 megabits per second or whatever, and my plan is 200 here, and it's half the price. 
Wow, that's crazy. So just big differences when you get out there and you check out different parts of the world, right? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, JD, thanks so much for chatting with me today. Oh, no problem. So listener, we know that you are preparing to move to Portugal. We did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up. And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now, the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the digital nomad visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the digital nomad or D8 course. If you have passive income, you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off. So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on. And Kaylee is a mad lady and she is always updating the course so that it doesn't fall out of date. Well, I have to because they're always changing things and so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal. Contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials, and if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere Presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions. Expats Everywhere researches our guests, and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts. 